Welcome back to another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner, and uh, we're into June here. We got uh, mm-hmm. OTAs uh, rolling out in Allen Park, uh, mandatory minicamp next week. We were out there for one day watching practice, I guess, if we want to call it a practice <laughs> last right. week. But uh, as much as they did, very light on, on the OTAs, but most of the roster out there and... Uh, I don't know. Kind of interesting to get back out there, see the coaching staff again, and uh, mm-hmm. see a lot of the players. See Jared Goff for the first time, a bunch of those new faces. So, uh, what was your take on? I guess just the we've heard a lot about sort of the atmosphere and the vibe. Right. So what was your, what was your takeaway there? Yeah, I guess that was the biggest takeaway. Right, was the attendance. Um, you know, of OTAs in general. I suppose uh, you know that they had you know everybody really. I mean, there was only a couple guys. Uh, that weren't here and you know none of them that were really shocking I guess and you know I'm not even sure if any of any of the absences would be anything that you know we would consider like a problem I don't I don't know if you know if they're shopping Tyrell Crosby then that just sort of is what it is to me more than it (laughs) more than I would consider it a problem but I think by and large like you said Chris everyone's here everyone's getting to know each other and it is impossible to not look at this and see a bunch of guys who are breathing fresher air and just sort of like, especially the guys that were here last year, which to be fair, isn't like an overwhelming number here. I mean, you're, you're talking like 50, 50. I mean, at this point they've kind of reworked the roster so much, but like, you know, when like Hawkinson comes on the zoom with looking like a grizzly man and all these other people are having a good time. (laughs) I mean, like, I, I just think that that's the thing right now that, when we looked back to last year, I mean, COVID was obviously a big part of what was going on. And there were some other things that were happening in the world. But when you peeled everything away and football kind of returned and it started to feel like football again, all the things that we sort of remember feeling back when during the days that we were in the locker room with these guys sort of reared their head again in 2020, which was nobody's having a lot of fun. No one's having anything close to anything even enjoyable, which is really, you know, you, you need that to get through it. I think that for me was just the biggest thing. I mean, I, everyone seemed to be enjoying each other, and I think that that is new, and that might be a baby step, but that's not nothing, and I think that's important. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a, something you mentioned there that is important is we should, as po- you pointed out, you know, last off season. It's hard to really judge this off season yeah. compared to last off season because exactly. we didn't have any of this, and when we did get back in training camp, it was all very kind of touch and go, like mm-hmm. you know, who, where can we stand, who can we talk to, like it, I mean, some of that's you know, we haven't really settled yeah, the who right, can we yeah. talk to debate yeah but <laughs> that's true you know we're, we're out there even we're out there you know uh I, some of us still have to go in and, and get a uh, rapid covid test in the morning just to kind of let people in mm-hmm. on what's happening but we're out there without mask we're standing you know dan campbell brad holmes came over and said hi to us a few right days, yeah. like uh shook hands i mean so some of it's starting to feel normal but i think some of that is the players are probably just happy to be back on the football field for the, some of this after missing out on it last year, especially the younger guys, I'm sure were anxious to, yeah, to put in some time. So again, I don't know how much you uh, can compare across regimes. And then just to be fair, there were guys, there were coaches out there last year, like Hank Fraley's back and he's the same guy he was right. last year. Robert Prince, you know, they have Antoine Randall as their wide receivers coach. Robert Prince was a, a pretty energetic, likable guy uh, when he was yeah, on the field be, for them yeah. last year. So they had some, you know, the, it wasn't like it was like you walked in and they were playing like the, the, the like, <laughs> I don't know, like a, the Star Wars, like evil empire. No, it wasn't music. the Death March. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, you know, there was some, 
some moments where guys were having fun. But yeah, certainly it's it's looser now. I think that's by design. And again, we'll see how it feels in September, October. But I think it's just the approach is going to be very different. They're trying to have some fun with it, trying to make sure guys are invested. And uh, it, it is kind of striking. I mean, Hawkinson, I think, has been pretty open about how much right. different it feels. It's like um, subject A here and there. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, and again, we don't know that that'll work. We don't know that the yeah. players coach thing will, will pay off. But yeah, I think you can get a, a little feel for, for what's going on out there. I just look with so many young guys here. That's the thing that and, and it's not, you know, the thing that I, I guess that, um, you know, I sort of look at in that context was like, what would it, what would it have been like? And obviously, we all know that the decision that was made had to be made. Right. But like in a hypothetical world, what would what would OTAs have been like if they hadn't made those changes? If they'd said, we're going to run it back with Patricia and Quinn for another year and this is going to be it. <laughs> would it have been would there have been 30 people out there like those are the things oh, that I'm just kind of yeah. like. That I remember back to, and it's like when you remember the end of a really bad era and the beginning of another one, that you know what the beginning of the next one should feel like, right? And I think that this one feels the way so far that it should, and it's really hard to do anything beyond that. But I think if you go back to look at how Patricia started, right? Like, they they probably had those first couple months of everything was great, and then once he started getting around the guys and the players, uh, if I can remember back it's like that's when you seem to recall some of the it was stuff immediate coming out. it like, was immediate yeah. yeah like people being like i don't know about this like that's not happening here so i think that if nothing else that's has to be notable just based on the immediate history that we're talking about here yeah i mean and patricia obviously had all the stuff too um the off-field well, stuff right, yeah, the legal stuff with his past that came out right away and and mm-hmm. sort of uh cast a shadow over everything but i even and we're not into camp yet so i don't know what training camp's going to look like with dan campbell yeah. and i assume it'll be pretty rigorous i mean he's he seems like a guy that would probably get out there and run two a days three a days if he still could under the nfl rules so i'm sure they'll get after it but you know even thinking back to patricia's first training camp like did and we probably didn't need to do this in the local media as much as people did. But one of the storylines right away was, well, is he working these guys too hard? Like yeah. that was the immediate, you know, are they, are they even having fun yet? Are they already mad at him? Like, do they already hate him? Are they practicing right. too long? It was three hours. They were going the max every day. And <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, there's there was bound to be a different feel. Um I haven't seen anyone run up the hill yet at the back mm-hmm. of the practice field. You know, Campbell still there uh, though, right? Campbell, well, Cam- <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's going away or hasn't uh, been deconstructed. Uh, to be fair, <laughs> Campbell joked. I think uh, the team PR pastor long Campbell joked about giving uh, the reporters blankets and letting us sit out there like a minor league <laughs> baseball game for training camp. So on the, on the berm, uh, there? just hanging out. <laughs> that's perfect. Dollar beers. Uh, yeah. Right. So yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be looser for sure. Uh, you know, whether that pays off or not, I don't know. But it, it is a different feel. And I, I mean, I, did you get? I've been out there twice now. I saw one of the yeah. rookie minicamp practices, uh, which I mentioned. You know, I think it was got probably got a little bit of a better feel for some of the scheme stuff from the rookie minicamp than what we got from the the first OTA we were out there. But it, just did you have any? Was there anything, I guess, that you could take away from what we saw out there? I, you know, no pads, like really, really, right. really light day of work, an hour, all of it walk through, no contact. I mean, there's 
there's not a ton, but was there anything that jumped out to you? I think right now, yeah, I think right now you're looking at more than anything, like you said, because you can't glean a lot with football, but you're looking at who is sort of, you know, meshing with who. And I think that that includes, you know, coach to player. And, you know, I tried to watch, you know, like I went over and watched the running backs, for example, the other day for, you know, 15 minutes and, you know, watched Anthony Lynn come over and, you know, work one-on-one with, you know, DeAndre Swift for quite a bit. And then he worked with Jamal Williams and I watched, you know, Mark Brunel work one-on-one with Jared Goff. Um, I tried to spend time watching all of the offensive linemen interact with Panay Sewell. And, and these are the things that I think sometimes early on in these situations, when you bring in all these new young guys, like Brockers wasn't there. That was one that, you know, I would have been interested to see how, you know, maybe Michael Brockers would have worked with the younger uh, defensive linemen. And maybe that's something we'll see in time. Um, but that's right now, I think for me, that's been a thing that um, is is what you pay attention to the most is, you know, who are these coaches sort of eyeballing with that like one-on-one time, right? Because it's not necessarily, you know, Dan Campbell sort of floats around and checks in on everybody, but like Anthony Lynn could in theory go around and work with anybody he wanted on the roster, right? But I mean, it, I thought it's notable that, you know, practice starts and he's immediately over, immediately working with DeAndre Swift. I mean, maybe it was just a random day that we were out there, but I mean, like, those types of things are things that I'm I'm sort of noticing in that, you know, you, you can see where, you know, a lot of the offseason work that the coaching staff did in terms of getting itself familiar with the roster, uh, the younger pieces on the roster that they expect to probably lean on, that they are excited about. Uh, and I think you're identifying some of those guys right now. And, and, and you're also looking at guys like Quintez Cephas, for me anyway, guys that are younger players who are holdovers from the previous staff and wondering – does this staff like this guy at all? Is he going to fit? Is he going to work here? You know, <laughs> right, and I, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I mean, like, it's not just Cephas. He's the one that popped into my head because I watched more seven on seven. But like, there are other guys like that. Tavai was a big topic of conversation, right, on Thursday. But, you know, those, those types of things right now are are super fascinating, I think, on a really small level. But uh, still, it's too early to tell on, you know, who's progressing or who's doing what. But just sort of relationships and how guys are kind of working with each other right now is is stuff that we can glean on a little bit. Yeah, I want to get back to Devai in a minute because he's been a big mm-hmm. uh, talking point. Cephas is an interesting one because we haven't, yeah. even when we talked to Anthony Lynn, you and I, uh, yep. you know, and I asked him because he talked about how uh, Perriman and Tyrell Williams were interchangeable. This was before they drafted Amon Ra St. Brown. And I asked, right. you know, do you see, like, is Cephas that type of guy? Is he a big slot? Like, what do you see him being in this offense? And he said, yeah, I mean, he can do some things. Like, right. <laughs> I haven't really, I right, don't really yeah. know what he can do yet. Like, we've watched him some, exactly. but, you know, they yeah. were still getting a feel for him. And there's always uh, these guys when you change over regimes that the, looked pretty good in the previous regime. And you don't really know if there's a spot for him. John Penasini is another one that played mm-hmm. well, like, relative to that defensive line last yeah, oh, year. Yeah, big time. John yeah, Penasini was really good for them. And now. The scheme's different. They brought in some new guys, and you don't, you just don't know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think some of that's interesting. I tried to watch Jared Goff as much as I could, just, um, mm-hmm. you know, seeing him in with the other quarterbacks. I saw him go over and talk with uh, with Deuce Staley for a while. Um, and that's the other thing, too, like you mentioned, just sort of seeing where Lynn's going to be, seeing what Deuce Staley's going to be. Chris Spielman's been out there a ton. Like, every yeah. time they're on the field, Spielman's out there, and he's sort of just pacing around. Mm-hmm. watching at rookie minicamp he grabbed the <laughs> grabbed the bags and was like running them across the field for, for drills <laughs> like he just wants to be in the mix out there uh you mentioned yeah. brunel i mean brunel uh 
Brunel looks like he's just like trying to hold himself back from suiting uh, up yes, and playing himself. He does. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, there's a lot of energy for sure in this coaching staff, and yeah. I think that that'll be uh, fun to track. I mean, and just to you know, I, I think I mentioned this moment at some point, maybe when we were writing about the cornerbacks or something. But you know, there was one time at training camp. Uh, they were running just wide receiver cornerback drills, and and I think it was Oral Worry. It must have been his rookie year. Um, went down the sidelines. It was just a go route. I forget which receiver he was covering, but he at the last second dove and swatted the ball away and got up and you know did the little like yeah celebration. Uh, his teammates were hyped up for him. It was a great like great mm-hmm. last second diving play, and he got just chewed sure. out yeah. for not running through the football. Uh, not staying on his feet, running through it, getting his hands up uh, and, you know, finishing the play exactly the way uh, he was supposed to finish it. Right. I don't think we're going to see a lot of that no. <laughs> from God. this group. It a seems like there's life. a lot more positive reinforcement going yeah. on at the moment. And yeah, you're going to have to criticize guys. You're going to have to chew guys out from time to time. But, um, I, I think especially right now, you mentioned this is a, a lot of new faces, a lot of young guys that you're counting on there's a feeling out process right now and i think it it's definitely important that they're not coming in and saying right you yes. guys all suck, suck. right yeah. now <laughs> listen to us and you'll get better i think there's a lot of here's what like i think uh-huh. it's important that they're figuring out what these guys can do well and that's what dan campbell said in his introductory press conference like figure out what these guys can do well and we'll work around that and right that's been one of the things I've noticed with Derek Barnes too. You know, I've watched him at rookie camp and I watched him at OTAs. Um, he's moving around a ton already. And, you know, th- I think some of that's just figuring out, you know, is he going to play inside for us? Can he be off the edge? Is he going to be able to drop in coverage? And you're seeing him do all those things just in walkthroughs right now. But I think that that is a lot of this process for the coaching staff is just what's going to work with the guys that we have. Right. I mean, one thing there before we get into the the football part of it a little bit more, but I mean, it needs to be stressed and you said it and that's a great story. And, you know, those are things like you never know what might have happened on that day or maybe there's another rep before we got out there. Right. But like, it's notable that the staff is being human here because like (laughs) you can't just come into an NFL situation and on day one act like you are a military drill sergeant coaching a bunch of 17-year-old delinquents that uh, dropped out of high school and don't want to be here, right? Like, this is a move. This is the NFL. Like, all these guys are here to work. All these guys are here to be professionals, right? Like, each guy is, you know, different in his maturity level, and some people need to be brought along at a different pace. But, like, I do think that we have, like, stretches of time with the game in general, as we've talked about so many times, we all talk about this forever and ever and ever, like, the game is cyclical, trends happen, things change, right? But this trend of people trying to copycat this, like, Bill Belichick, you got to be an asshole to everybody all the time, and it can't ever be anything in between. It's just, thank God that that's over with, because I don't see anybody else in football copying that right now. And I just wanted to say, <laughs> it's a breath of fresh air that we see. I see this in a lot of places right now. I see a lot of coaches starting to loosen up, and I think it's a great thing. I just wanted to say that, because I think that we don't say it enough, and it's something that, like, I read the other day that Patricia's being groomed to take over for Belichick uh, in New England. Well. And I'm just like, fine. If that works in that setting and that situation exactly how you guys have it tailored, fine. But if nothing else, let this be a lesson 
that like copycat crap in this sport, like th- that sort of thing with, with just the human element of it. It doesn't work. Like that was the greatest example. Like Dan Campbell, it might never work. And there's going to be a day down the road where Dan Campbell and the staff's going to have to scream at a guy, right? And probably do it in public and probably do it in front of us. But it's not going to be on the first day of OTAs. And he's not going to go and stand in front of the team and scream at Jared Goff or like a star player or whatever, just to be like, you know, set an example. And I think that that really has been the thing that's permeated across the entire organization and you feel it like everywhere. And I don't know, it's hard for, I think it's hard for us to describe sometimes, but like, that's what it is. They're being human beings. And I think that that sometimes needs to be illustrated because it wasn't happening enough, probably, especially early on last time. And that's how they lost the team. And that's how, you know, those things kind of go derailed. But anyway, that's off my soapbox <laughs> there. We can get into football. No, stuff. yeah. I mean, I think that it's just sort of the changing nature of yeah. the world, really, in general. But the, yeah, the, the, just, just just what the this what players are going through before they get to the NFL. I mean, it's just not the same, obviously, as it was yeah. for when these 40, 50, 60-year-old coaches were coming up through the ranks. You know, right. and that, like... You know, there's been a lot of talk about press conferences lately, so maybe this is a bad example. But, you know, in Dan Campbell's first press conference, I was trying to ask him, I brought up the Oklahoma drill, you know, quote unquote Oklahoma drill that he like kind of infamously, he says he didn't run an Oklahoma drill. It was similar to an Oklahoma drill when he was the interim coach in in, uh, Miami. And, you know, I brought it up because I was trying to ask him, like he was talking about kind of pivoting the way he thinks about the X's and O's of things. And I was trying to ask him, you know, how right how yes. he relates to guys now because it, it's different. It's different than it the guys different. he was playing with. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a different uh, environment that he these these guys are coming in, in. And I was trying to ask that question. But I think that you almost, like you said, you almost have to either be – it has to be established that you're just a colossal jackass and everyone has to deal with it <laughs> right, and you yeah. can be successful doing that. Right. Or you need to kind of loosen up and let these these players be people to some yeah. extent. And even guys who kind of notoriously like Nick Saban, I think everyone looks at it and thinks is just a a jerk. Exactly. Yeah, but, but it's, I think I don't he's know if that's, I yeah. think he's changed a little bit. I, I think agree. he's adjusted yeah. the way he's reacted to players. I agree. So. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, all right, we can, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's, I said I wanted to get to Dubai, let's talk about right. Goff first, because this was the okay. first time we've laid eyes on him as the Detroit Lions quarterback, uh, in person, um, and again, we, we didn't see a whole lot, they ran some positional drills, they ran some, um, you know, seven on seven work, um, just throwing to the receivers, throwing to the tight ends, throwing to the backs, not a lot to take away, but uh, I guess first impressions of him and and of just the way he carries himself out there. Yeah, really the 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 seriousness and the attitude. And I mean, it's it's not surprising at all. It's not a shock at all. It's basically what he said. You know, he's here to work and he's here to. He's you know, it's that I guess is the refreshing part. But it's it's something that I think we expected, right? Where it was, you could see him. You know, even in footwork drills where like Brunel was being over the top loose, right? Like he was trying to make these guys laugh. I, you know, it was pretty obvious what he was trying to do. He was trying to get yeah. guys to loosen up. And like, you know, Tim Boyle and he were joking a little bit. And Goff, it took Brunel a lot longer to get him to crack a smile. And I think that that was something that I noticed, you know, throughout practice is that I think they're trying to get Goff to loosen up. But I also think it's notable that, you know, this is this seems to be a very, very big deal for Jared Goff, and it should be. Like, I don't think that I'm saying anything that's, like, shocking anybody, but, like, 
he's taking it really, really serious. And I think that for the Lions and for Brad Holmes and and for all the people, you know, uh, Ray Agnew, whoever else maybe stuck their neck out for Jared Goff, that has to be like a really good breath of like, okay, good. This is what we hoped we would get from him. This is what we would hope we would get from, you know, the a hungry version of Jared Goff. And I think that that's what this is. And we'll see if, you know, the confidence comes back and if, you know, he can sort of adjust himself as he kind of opens the second act of his career. But, um, you know, we've heard younger younger players talk about how, you know, Goff has had them over for dinner. Uh, he's trained with guys on the team. You know, he, Sewell, I think, had said that Goff was one of the first guys that reached out to him when he got drafted. He's taking it really, really serious. Uh, I think you can see it on the practice field. Like you mentioned earlier, him kind of mingling around with other coaches, too. He's here, too. I mean, he's here, right? Like, I, I just think all those things, sometimes those things can be taken for granted, but... A lot of the stuff with Stafford from the intangible leadership, the, the way that guys looked at him, the way that guys talked about him, that's the stuff that you and I see every day, that you know, the beat writers see every day, that we know when you know they move on from Stafford, we know that that's going to be an irreplaceable thing that this team's just not going to be able to get back for like a year or two, right? Or maybe even longer, who knows? But to me, watching Goff, you know, he's working really hard to try to fill some of those voids that are going to be there. And I think that that's important to sort of know early on as they start this whole thing. And that's also, you know, and I don't, I don't know what Jared Goff's going to be like in the locker room. You know, I don't know how he's mm-hmm. going to be on the sideline, but the one, if there was one thing that I think Lions players maybe would have liked a little bit more from Stafford is just a little more, uh, Personality, I, know I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I, know what the, I don't know what the yeah. word is, but you know, he's well, sort I think of maybe you know, even if he would have went into Patricia in the first like week or two of that back then, and been like, <laughs> "Hey, fuck off!" Like, yeah. maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe that's where you're going with it because I, I can see that. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, there goes. I got to rate this episode R now. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like it, it hit the off season. Stafford uh, was as tough as, and you know, yes. you've heard it from guys as tough as any quarterback in the league. He worked as hard as anyone in this league. He also kind of liked to do his own thing, I guess, in the offseason to some extent. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. really – he had the one year where he went and worked with a quarterback's coach, uh, and that was a big deal because he didn't really like doing that. He just right. liked training on his own. He'd occasionally loop in some guys. Last year he went and threw a bunch because there wasn't uh, – you know, there weren't mm-hmm. offseason training programs. But a lot of times he would just sort of do his own thing, and then he'd show up. And uh, when it mattered, he he clicked, there. locked yeah. it in and was – full go but if you dropped him in to practice that thursday practice last you know like a may mm-hmm. thursday practice <laughs> i don't know that he's going 110 yeah, percent on right. it and golf right. seemed like you said i think golf took it like that seemed like he was prepping for week one like right. he was out there and and you know we were watching him throw together and you mentioned something that i thought was kind of interesting we were they were doing uh, I think as the wide receivers and tight ends were running little like 10, 12 yard out routes and every mm-hmm. throw Goff was making, they were all to his right. Every throw he was making was up like seven, eight yeah. feet. You know, guys were having to go up and get them and, and extend to get them. And you're watching it like this doesn't look, this ball's not coming out right. Like, why right. is he throwing it like that? And then they went over to seven on seven. And like the second play, uh, Hawkinson was on his right. Ran the same route, like 10, 12 yards. He threw the ball to the exact same spot, and it dropped in over there. Hawkinson had a linebacker trailing him and a safety coming down on him, and the ball was in the exact same spot that he just (laughs) – Goff had been throwing it 
over and over again. And, and so you, now you're starting to say, all right, well, he's doing that on mm-hmm. purpose. And so I think that it's, I think with Jared Goff, we're going to see a lot more calculated things than with Matthew Stafford when it was like, That's here's what the play is. It. But yeah. we know like Stafford, some of best Stafford's best stuff was just figure it out. I'm going to throw it wherever I feel like throwing it. And yeah. I think with Goff, the success is going to have to be with, all right, here's where the play is designed. You need to throw this ball to this exact spot, and, and that's that's how we're going right. to have success. And I think it's going to be a lot more structured and calculated than it was with Stafford, and I think that that was something that jumped out. you kind of already seen some of that groundwork being laid for him to try to be uh, precise with it. And that there's obviously a danger in being too robotic and trying to be too perfect, and you, right. you want to guard against that, but... Uh, that's something I'll be curious to see if that continues to carry over. But it's also important, you know what I mean? Like, in it because that's the right. difference. And such a good point because that's the difference between, you know, a gunslinger and Matthew Stafford, who is truly. I mean, people don't understand. I'm. I, it's the saddest thing for me of the Stafford <laughs> career here. Is it? I mean, it, the saddest part is that you know, obviously, they weren't able to win. But that's the case for. Everybody who's ever come through here and it didn't work, right? It's the same for Calvin. Right. But like the thing for me with Stafford, I guess, is like there's so many I feel like there's so many Lions fans who do who do like football, who know football, who've watched a lot of football, who just are never gonna appreciate the type of arm and the type of arm talent that Matthew Stafford has currently still. Like he like the like that's such a good point. Like Goff is going to have to work on things. Uh, within his game that Stafford just doesn't have to work on because Stafford's Stafford and his arm is different and he's just a different type of athlete. Whereas Jared Goff, his process is going to be different. Everything about how he, you know, approaches things to be different. It's not a bad thing. And it's a good thing. I think that, you know, they are sort of working on some of that touch stuff. It, it, it's, you know, you can go back and say, well, they're both number one picks. Maybe they both should be gunslingers. Well, they're not, you know, it is what it is. The situation is what it is. Goff's a different player. And I think that, yes, a lot of what they do is going to have to be more structured. But I think if you look at it this way and say, well, if they're all growing together and they're all younger players and they're all working on timing together, well, maybe it'll work. Maybe it works out. Maybe it works out well. And maybe that's how, you know, this thing kind of clicks together for everyone moving forward. And maybe that's the benefit you get out of it is you have a quarterback who's going to be more involved, hands-on with every player on the team out of necessity. Because like you said, like Stafford didn't need to take a bunch of extra time to work on little detail work because he just did it in his sleep. He was that naturally good at it. Where a guy like Goff is still a talented player, but it's not like that. It's a different situation. I think we all see that and know that. And I think that, uh, you know, how the coaching staff sort of handles that going forward would be super interesting. But so far, so good. It looks like it looks like they did a really nice job of, you know, I think we kind of sensed this when we saw the staff get put together. But it looks like they did a really nice job of making sure they brought coaches in here who can work well with younger people. And, you know, that seems to be coming across pretty clearly early, you know, so far in OTAs. Uh, you also like Tim Boyle's arm. I, just I do. put that I on mean, record. Hard to, hard to ignore it. Like, it, he's – you watch all the preseason stuff, right, and everything else, and obviously, like, people immediately talk – they see you talk about two quarterbacks on the same team and think that you're trying to start, start something. But that's not the case at all. Like, obviously – Goff is being paid a fortune. He's here to be the starting quarterback. But, like, I thought that that was a really good signing for a thousand reasons. Like, if Goff gets hurt, Boyle is a talented, up-and-coming, you know, not maybe I don't know about up-and-coming or whatever, but he's a physically gifted young 
quarterback. I think that that's important. That's a great. I would rather have that than the old broken down guy who's like, well, we think he's going to get us through a game without screwing it up, and then you put him in the game and he screws it up, and you're like, why is he even on the team? Sorry, Chase Daniel. Right? It's better than that. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think also from a competition standpoint and from confidence. You know, look, if if like we talked about this too, like if Goff goes in to a preseason game with fans and plays bad and Tim Boyle comes in for him and plays well, how do you think that's going to go? And <laughs> with the fans here in Detroit, that's going to be a test for Goff's confidence. I think watching Boyle, if Boyle can push him every day in practice, I think that'll help too. I think I think it'll help all things uh, in all areas and I think it improves that spot. That was something that just really was never addressed during the Patricia era, so... I don't know. I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a good signing. And, you know, I, his arm is, uh, he's got a lot of talent there. We, yeah. Watching him throw <laughs> first watching Chase Daniel throw all summer last year. It's only been one practice with Tim Boyle, but the yeah. uh, velocity <laughs> is very different. It, it's quite a change. So, yeah, we'll see where that goes. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays well when he gets some shots in the preseason. Um, uh, all right. Let's talk about Jelani Tavai. Um, okay. Yes. One one of the benefits I think probably you know the, you mentioned that handful of guys who weren't there. It was Brockers, Crosby, who's interesting because you as you said, there's been some trade rumors. He's in the last year of his contract. He just lost the starting job, so it's probably understandable why he's maybe looking for some clarity on his role. Mm-hmm. And then Jamie Collins wasn't there. Um, they had a couple guys who were banged up. Uh, Tom Kennedy, Raheem Boyd, you know, a couple guys who were banged up and just sort of there not really doing anything um but with not out having collins there i thought one of the benefits was you got to see some extended run with alex anzalone and Derek barnes next to each other just sort of how they played right. off each other you got some more reps everyone just got bumped up a spot basically and jelani tavai is a guy now who's been brought up multiple times by different coaches for his work ethic this offseason uh now they're talking um you know they mentioned that he's lost 17 pounds yeah. uh, is still at 248 or whatever after losing 17 pounds, which tells you where they wanted him last year. Um, they talked about how well he moves, all these things. Is this going to happen? Like, how, <laughs> like, are we, are we buying in here on Jelani Tavai? Well, I think that the thing that you can buy in on right now is that they're going to give him a chance. And I think that that's, um, Probably about as far as we can go with it. Like, and, and what a chance means, you know, kind of is still TBD. I think that my guess would be is that when OTAs are over, Aaron Glenn is going to look at him and say, okay, well, you got down to two, whatever. I need you to get even further down. And it's going to be before you get back here for fall camp. I need you to be at, you know, I don't know what he said he was at. Maybe he was in the 240s, right? So he was under 250, but it seemed like it was in the high 240s. Yeah, I think he maybe. said like 248, Eight? something like that. Yeah. So maybe they say like, we need you to be 240 or we need you to be in the 230s. I, you know, I don't know. But like, that could be something that they continue with him in, in terms of that process. But at some point, you know, they're going to have to put pads on. And whatever his body weight is, we're going to have to see if he can carry it, you know, reasonably enough to run around with people in space. Because that's going to be the ultimate telltale. But I mean, ultimately... It makes a ton of sense because, like, he was nearly 270. He was over 270 pounds. Did he say that? He was about 270. He was about 270. He said they. he's trying to get down to 245, and now he's uh, at around, right, around 250 now. And I, 
So, which is where he was in college. If yes. you're going, I mean, he was a two forty five two. I mean, right. at least what he was listed at was around two forty five two fifty in college. So right. So you're hope. So you're hoping that he could. You know, and it's not too much to ask for Tavai to be at 240, 245, 250. I think that that would be fine. And maybe if he could squeeze a few more off, you know, that would be that would, it would it will benefit him as a player. But like, we just don't know how fast he'll be with it. But I think moreover, it just speaks again to like they were asking <laughs> an inside slash. I mean, he, he was an outside linebacker last year, too. They, they asked him to play both. They asked him to run around in space at 270 pounds. I just like. It's malpractice. Like, I mean, I you felt bad for Tavat. You know, like when he was ta- he was telling us. I mean, I don't know what whether to feel bad for him or to blame him for the weight. You know, the weight gain or whatever. But I mean, it seems like he was being told like we need you to be, we need you to bulk up. We need you to be bigger. We need that's part of the plan here. And it was like you you know they took a guy who was going to have to work really hard to fit into that situation anyway and made it even harder for him. And so now you look at it and say, okay, well they're shedding the weight off trying to get the confidence back in him a little bit, right? Like everyone's trying to work on his confidence. You could tell that. And we're going to have to see probably in training camp whether or not this works. And I think that that's probably what this told us today is like they're willing to – he showed back up at OTAs and dropped weight. They asked him to drop weight. He did it. They asked him to get to a number. He did it. So, you know, that probably buys him a ticket to training camp. And then we're going to have to see, you know, how he runs around. But – you know, they're going to give him a shot, and I think that that's totally fine I mean, because I think that, you know, we've talked about this a bunch too, and you always feel bad, I think, with Tavai because he's a pretty good kid. Like, all the interactions yeah. we've had with him have always been positive. He's been a positive person since day one, and it's like you look at a guy like that, and you're like, geez, man. Like, yeah, they drafted him in the second round. They're paying him well. Like, you, you like that for him, but, like, they're not giving him a chance. They never gave him a chance. And, like, so now he's going to get a chance. I don't know how long it's going to last, but, like, that's – you know, it's nice to see that he's at least going to get a shot at it, and maybe he'll be in a position to where he can reasonably, reasonably perform. But you know, too early to tell, I guess. It is frustrating. I it guess, is frustrating. like you said, like because he, I just looking back, he was two forty six at the combine. Just leave him there. The right? Lions, <laughs> the, the previous regime, obviously wanted you know size they wanted strength whatever at their linebacker spot they Mm -hmm. had specific ideas of where guys needed to be lengthwise weight wise all that but Tavai was a guy he he wasn't coming in as someone that you looked at and said all right he's gonna be a natural three down guy be great in coverage like that wasn't really his game he showed some of that versatility at Hawaii but more of it was I guess kind of what they started to use him as like he was really good at Hawaii as a pass rusher and up on the line and playing downhill like that. And so I guess that's why they balked him up, but it was always going to NFL speed was always going to be the challenge. Getting into space was always going to be a challenge. And then you, you had 25 pounds on this guy. (laughs) And now you have a defensive end playing inside linebacker for you. And, and like a big defensive end. (laughs) And I don't think it's, comes as a surprise to anyone that he he looked pretty sluggish and i i don't dropping that weight doesn't make him uh doesn't improve his instincts or improve his tackling or any of those things but it gives him a chance at least to kind of run with these offenses and maybe play a a role here i I, so i i do think it's interesting uh just to sort of see where this goes and see if he can handle it i mean he looks uh, he clearly looks in better shape or oh, yes. slimmer My than he God. did. It's not even <laughs> close. You could tell from even the distance from where we stand out to watching that practice that he looks more 
uh, cut than he was a year ago. So and like it wasn't like he was in bad shape. He was just no. like bloated. He was just bulked. It was like he was too big. It was like it wasn't like he was sloppy weight. It was just like, and it was funny, right? Like somebody asked him on the Zoom, like, um, "Do you feel faster?" <laughs> Which was like a fine question or whatever. But he laughed, and it's like, well, yeah, I I dropped twenty pounds. <laughs> yeah, yes, right. I feel lighter. I feel. Yeah. Faster, and I think that, like that's a big thing. Like just in, just right there. Like he was already going to have to overcome speed issues, like you said. Uh, but to add thirty pounds that you're hauling on top of that, like the frustration <laughs> for him was probably mounting to a point of like not probably it absolutely had to have been mounting to an unhealthy level. You know where you watch it week after week last season, especially where it was just like my God, it is not getting any better here for him in coverage and it's simply because he cannot run like he just can't run so they're looking at him this year and saying like Johnny please just it's the old Jim Harbaugh hey get faster please right (laughs) I'm gonna look at you and say like I need you to be faster which means I need you to lose 25 pounds which might be the process he's undergoing and hey we'll see in in training camp I guess that's probably the thing and that was the question that Chris and I I know we had the whole year was are they going to give him a chance and you know with Carrion Johnson it was you know, they decided, you know, maybe the knee wasn't where they wanted it to be. Right. And they decided they weren't, it wasn't going to be worth it for them to give him a chance. Well, with Tavai, maybe it's worth it to give him a chance. And, you know, we'll see how long that lasts. But I think that that's fair. I mean, he's a team guy. He's not going to hurt anybody. He's not going to hurt the locker room. Everybody likes him. We t- Hawkinson talked about how much time they spent together this year in the, in the offseason and everything else. So I, I think that's fine. It's it's a similar, Jared, you know, it's we joked about this a little bit yesterday. It's a sad state of affairs but like it's, there's always somebody on this team that seems like, well, the former staff screwed this guy, so let's see if <laughs> let's see if this one can give him a chance. And like that's that's Tavai, and um, you know we'll see if it pays off. Yeah, I mean, and they're not exactly flush with with a lot of linebacker depth either. No, I, mean, I just no. put up a story sort of breaking down ranking the you know levels of concern at degrees of concern at each position and linebacker. Like if Collins is in there and he's motivated, uh, yeah. which I think. You That's have to reasonable. wonder about at least a little bit if, how motivated he's going to be. Yeah. But if he shows up and he's motivated and you've got Anzalone there and you've got Barnes, that's a decent starting spot for your for three guys. You're probably only going to have two on the field most of the time, maybe one, depending on what package you're in. So from those three, you could piece together a pretty versatile group. Beyond that, it's wide open. You know, maybe yeah. it's Sean, Sean Dean Hamilton. Maybe it's Reeves Maben. And maybe Tavai sticks as your fourth linebacker, you know, kind of a two-down guy who plays right. a bunch on special teams. Yeah, like, right. that's fine. If he's okay in that role, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that they're, they want to be bailing. Like you mentioned they cut carry on. I think they made that decision that, that he didn't have the explosiveness they were looking for there. But they're not in a position where they can just be bailing on recent draft picks all that much. They think they no. need to figure out what they have first. So, And I think that it's important if a guy is a good – culture fit and a good like he is gonna do every you know if you ask him to run through a wall he's gonna do it he's gonna try to do it and he's gonna try to do it. like it's important i think for them to ride it out with guys like that as, as long well, as they can that was this that was yeah. the most surprising part of the carry-on cut frankly yeah not it was the, not the was. on the field stuff it was just that he was a, like he the last staff basically said look we're only going to use you to protect the passer mm-hmm. so get in there and, and step in front of these and he did it. blitzing yeah. linebackers and he was great <laughs> and yeah. he never complained and he was uh, good in the locker room, and so that was the surprising part there. Not necessarily even the on field, but mm. uh, or not necessarily the um, 
just the, the the playing style, just you know, this that he was the type of guy when you talk about culture, seemed like he was gonna fit. But yeah, I think that you're right. I think it's worth it's worth finding out. You're not gonna go sign someone who's a huge upgrade uh right now at linebacker. So you may as well see what you got for the next few weeks. Um yeah. speaking of, <laughs> we've got as mentioned, we're out there uh weather permitting on uh Thursday, Thursday yeah. for this uh to wrap this round of uh voluntary OTAs and then as Dan Campbell said they're going to have rookies stick around and keep working and then mandatory mini camp uh is right on the heels of that um so what do you what do you want to see here over these next uh you know 4 days that we'll be out at practice and then some guys will be sticking around and then there's a huge break until training camp so what do you want to see in terms of just the performance while we're out there mandatory mini camp should be a little more uh aggressive than OTAs mm-hmm. but um, anything you're looking for there or any any roster moves maybe that you're still waiting on over the next few weeks before they get back for camp? Yeah, I think it's going to be, for me, it, some of those underneath guys, like, you know, the guys that we talk about that are in question when we try to fill out the roster. Like, um, this is the time when they're going to start to figure out and as they get into training camp, like Tavai is a great example, Will Harris, um, guys like this, like guys that you can – can I rely on him or can I not? Right? Like, is he is he coming along or is he not? Is something better today than it was the last time or is it not? Is he doing something that is productive or not? And I think that those are the things as they go forward here when they have to make roster decisions on, you know, do we keep a younger guy who doesn't have experience but we like his talent ceiling a little better, or do we keep this older guy who maybe we don't like his ceiling quite as much? We don't hate his, you know what I mean? Like when you get to, to the hair splitting time. So, like, those are things I think that I'll probably sort of look at. And then just, yeah, I mean, this team right now, the way that it the way that it is and the way that this rebuild is going to go, like, their best chance to beat anybody this year and next year is going to come from their ability to, I say this all the time, but, like, hold the rope for each other, right? Like, you mentioned Jamie Collins being motivated. Like, I, that's a great question, and it's a great – example of something that we're going to have to watch for in training camp and as the season goes on. But I, I look at it objectively and say, like, if Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn go to Jamie Collins and say, Jamie, you're being paid a lot of money and we need you to come help us do <laughs> right. X, Y, and Z with Derek Barnes and a couple of these guys for two more years and we need you to be, you know, a pro. I think Jamie Collins is going to look at them both and say, I, I can do that for you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that as we go forward here, I think – that's the the type of stuff that I I would like to see, you know, from some of the veteran guys that are here in terms of how they're working with the younger guys, the guys that are going to be parts of this franchise, you know, in, in the idealistic world or whatever. <laughs> Brad Holmes is mind like in three years, like when they're ready in theory to compete, like the guys that you know that are already here that are going to be here, like how are they going to react or interact right now with some of the older guys on the team? I think that that's something that I'll probably pay attention to more than you would in a normal year because I think that this dynamic is kind of interesting with uh, you've got, you know, it's not a regime shift because you, you really didn't have a regime beforehand, but it's a bunch of guys that are older that, you know, they're not going to be here for five more years. So, you know, we'll see how this all kind of meshes together. That's That's been interesting to watch. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I think Jamie Collins will show I, – I didn't mean to make it sound like oh, no, not at all. hold yeah. out or, or be yeah. a, like a malcontent. But, I, I mean, I think he's going to show up, and I think you're right. I think he'll probably do his job. And I, same thing with – you know, I think Michael Brockers will be really good for these guys yeah, when I he agree. comes in. He's a guy who's going to come in and they know what they're getting. He's going to work. Crosby, 
I mean, I don't think Crosby's holding out through the whole season. I think he's someone who, like I said, he probably wants some clarity on what's happening with his role and his contract. But once he's here, we know what type of guy Tyrell Crosby is. He's going to be as supportive as anyone on that roster of the other players. So I don't think there's any big concerns. I think for the most part, guys know that uh, the best way to ensure that your next situation is a, as beneficial as possible is to play well and show up for your current situation. Like, right. I don't think anyone's, I don't think Jamie Collins is going to go like Blake Griffin, the lions <laughs> where he pretends he's hurt and then right. signs with a contender yeah. <laughs> right before the playoffs. I um, doubt it. So yeah, I mean, I think that that'll all, I think having those guys in though, will, will be, will be good for everyone. And especially, Really, that Brockers one, like you said, that's one that I'm really curious to see sort of yeah. how much guys lean on him because I think that that's a big reason why he's here, that they're going to tell him you need to be the leader of maybe this entire defense, yes. frankly, like not just <laughs> I mean, the defensive right. line. Like you need to be the guy that this defense, that this entire defense looks to and, and sort of follows. So I I think that that in Those itself are, is kind yeah. of a, a role that a lot of players would want to play um and i'm going to tell you those are fascinating moments for guys at that stage in their career like michael brockers is a guy that not that long ago was the younger guy who was being you know somebody above him was being told like hey man this guy's got a lot of talent let's like it's fascinating to see some of those guys and how they react to that sort of thing but i think that there's a lot of veterans on this team that have that that's why they're here and i think that for the most part i would i would hope that you know brad holmes and, and and the lions you know, executives understood personality when they were bringing people in here. But I think that's part of the reason why they brought most of the guy, like Anzalone, we, we asked Aaron Glenn about that, right? Like, do you trust him with younger players? And he didn't even, absolutely. That's a big part of why he's here. And so those things, the coach on the field type stuff, but also, yeah, just be the, be a guy who is just a solid, like, what do you need from me mm-hmm. for all these younger guys? And if you can do that reasonably, like, I think it's going to help so much about this season and, and, you know, it'll make them better faster. And I think that that's, that's how you cut the drag there. Yeah. I mean, again, it sort of all goes back to the atmosphere and the environment that they're trying to build. But I also think you know, just on, cause I asked you if uh, there are any roster moves you think still might be coming. I, I'd be surprised if Brad Holmes now sits there for the next three months and says, all right, this is the team we're taking to mm-hmm. week one. I, I just would be yeah, how aggressive yeah. they've been. Uh, seeking out trades and trying to bring in these one, two-year free agents and and even in the draft, you know, looking to move up. Like, I, I just get the sense that he's probably going to be kicking the tires on a few things over the next few weeks. I keep mentioning, like, they almost have to sign another safety at some point. Yeah. Like, uh, if Crosby's yeah. getting traded, you probably need to bring in one more offensive lineman to just compete, you know, maybe bring in a linebacker or a wide receiver. I, mean, I think there are spots here where you could still see them make an addition and it might not happen this week. It might be in, you know, right before camp in July. It might be in whatever the cut date is this year, September, whenever it is, September yeah. 1st or whatever the cut date is this year. Um, you know, they might be picking up guys at that point. I, I don't think that this is a finished product by any means. I don't think anyone would, trick themselves into believing that so that's another thing i mean even as we were out there last thursday todd Gurley was somewhere in the building yeah you know, meeting with <laughs> swift Holmes song so whoever. confirmed yeah, uh, right. so I, I think that they're still going to be looking around for guys right. who can 
help this team even in the short what'd you term, make of that by the way before the we girly move on. one yeah uh yeah i mean it was a weird interesting. one yeah it was a weird one i I mentioned in the post we have up today like i i i understand looking for another back mm-hmm. in general because right now you've got your one two you've got swift jamal williams you know they're going to handle most right. of the work but then uh, you've got a. I mean, I think they like Jamar Jefferson. I think he's got some upside, but that's a seventh round pick who's never played in the NFL. You've yeah. got two UDFAs behind him. We know it takes three or four backs minimum to get through a season. Yeah, yeah. Pair is uh, fair. Yeah. So I don't think it's. Uh, from that standpoint, I think it makes sense to say, well, who's a guy who could come in and handle 10 carries if he needs to, 15 carries? Like, And so I think that that makes sense. I. I don't know how he fits into the what either. the offense is going to be, or you know, just the rotation of it. So I think that that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, I don't know. What you, did you ever? Yeah, it's like it's strange, right? It's like I, that's a great point, and it would all depend on what Todd Gurley's expectations, I guess, probably would be, uh, because he would ha- like Swift seemed excited because Swift knows him, right? He played it, and Swift like when Swift was at Georgia. He like, and he talked about this a thousand times. Like he loved all of those. Like at Georgia, it was Nick Chubb. It was um, yeah. all these. I'm now I'm blanking, but it's all these guys at Georgia who come through and have played running back that were just like it was a family. It's like a brother, and he loved it. Like loved, loved, loved it. The fact that he got to pick their brains. I mean, if you know, we've had a chance to talk to Swift a few times. Like he's a smart player. He likes to study the game and these types of things. Like I think for Swift, it would be. I think he would think it'd be really cool to have a guy who's been in the NFL at a high level and done some things. And cause I think he would look at it and say like, you know, being able to work with Todd would help me, but move, you know, what would Todd Gurley want out of this situation in terms of like, you would probably, depending on your health, you'd certainly have to be behind Swift, you would think. And then you'd have to fight pretty hard to get in front of Jamal Williams is that going to be okay? And that's, I, I have no idea. Like, that's the thing that it's like, how healthy is he? How healthy is he not? But like from the, from the sense of, you know, bringing a guy in here, if you think he's healthy, that can make plays for you and, you know, get along with the guys that you have in the room. Maybe it works. Maybe it wouldn't be too crowded. I don't know. Because if you're going to be a team that relies on your offensive line and pounds the ball, like pair and a spare, you need three backs. Like you, he's, you know, you do. So like, if that's what they're going to do, I, I, I wouldn't hate it, but, you know, it's interesting. I guess it would depend on his health and sort of, you know, what he's envisioning for himself um, as he kind of goes. Because he's not old. I mean, what? how old is Todd Gurley? 26? Uh, 20, yeah, you know? I mean, he's, like, shockingly young. So yeah. He's, <laughs> I mean, those, he's had so many injuries, he but, yeah. Young. yeah. I think you're right. I think he is. Uh, maybe he's. Yeah. 26. But, like, that's another oh, yeah. one, right, where it's like you think about it and you're like, Anthony Lynn has that reputation as this coach who works very well with like younger players who are trying to kind of like sift through the noise, I think a little bit. Right. I think that, so maybe it's a great beneficial, I don't know, maybe, maybe something that we look at on paper and we say that doesn't make a lot of sense, but maybe in six months we would look at it and say, boy, that was a great move. I don't, you know, it could be, I really don't know. This feels like it would be more productive than bringing in Adrian Peterson. Probably, I would, yeah. I would say. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. But yeah, yeah we'll and obviously, and he's got the Rams ties. I mean, yeah. he was there for a long time, and he. But it's also, you know, he had. He's a guy. He had 220 touches last year. That's the fewest touches yeah. he's ever had in a career. I mean, he was like a 315, 320 touch guy for the Rams, and so I think that this is also. So we're talking about moving forward here. This is also something 
I'll be looking at because there's kind of a fine line here between saying to your entire roster, every job is up for grabs. Mm -hmm. You got to come in and win it and taking a bunch of veterans who have been in the league and have been productive in the league and saying, we're not guaranteeing anything to you. I think it's hard to find (laughs) 90 guys who are willing to buy into that. And so I think that some of the, we talk about maybe roster moves that are coming. I think some of it is just going to be sifting out guys who can't handle the way that they're approaching this and say, look, I'm look, I'm a seven year vet. Mm-hmm. I've been to two Pro Bowls. <laughs> like, give me yeah. my respect. I deserve to be starting for a bad team. And if yeah. you're not going to start me, then I'm out. And I right. think there will be some of those guys. You're not going to have 90 players buy in to this idea that they'll say it's fine. They'll say they like competition, but you're not going to have 90 players that buy into this thing where every job's on the line at every practice. Right. And, no, so I, no. I think some of that, I think that there is a fine line. And I think some of that with Gurley, you mentioned just what's the role going to be like. I think that that's probably part of it. Like, can you handle this is what this is going to be. Can you handle this if you don't get the ball for three straight yeah. games? Like, are you going to be OK with just sitting on the sidelines and watching us spread the field for a couple weeks? And maybe he's not. Maybe that's why he hasn't signed yet. So I can don't know. Can you handle this? That's a great way to look at it. Like they're in need of a bunch of um, or a handful of like. Pudge Rodriguez is from 2006 or <laughs> right, whatever, yeah. seven, right? Like, and obviously he was an all-star, so it's not necessarily exact comparison. But you need veterans, self selfless veterans. They, they mm-hmm. are in need of like three or four self, truly selfless. Like, yes, you, we are asking you to put aside your personal whatever to help us become, you know, a functional football franchise, and we are. You know, we plan on making that worth your while. We plan on all these things, blah, blah, blah. But like, can you handle that part of, you know, the whole thing as a competitor? And I think that's a question that we will have to keep at the top of the mind here as we go forward, because I know for me, that's something I overlook a lot. And I ended up reminding myself quite a bit on that, where you can't just look at a 28-year-old veteran NFL player and say, well, you're an old washed up bum. Come in here and and train this (laughs) 22-year-old to do your job. You know what I mean? Like... It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to ask of someone to do. And that's why I think it matters who you have at making that ask. And I think that's why we talk so much about, you know, being a human and being a human with these guys. And Aaron Glenn talking about, I'm never going to lie to a player, never going to do it. And like, I think that those things are so important. I think that they're at least in a situation where they have the best chance to kind of make this work. It's a, it's really hard to do, but I think they've they've done all the things right now to put themselves in position to be in position to make it work, and and that's all you can do to this point. Yeah, and that's why I say I don't think it's surprising that Crosby's asking for some clarity. Exactly. And we know yeah. again, we know he's a great guy. We know I he's think a great they teammate, that. but yeah. they also have they drafted Sewell. They just signed Decker to a long term extension. Like they're basically maybe they've told him straight out, but without, even if they haven't, it's pretty clear he's not starting for this team right. Right in 2021. Uh, and so that's a tough thing to wrap your head around. And again, we talked about Deshaun hand all the time, but is he going to, now you just drafted two defensive linemen. You traded yeah. for Michael Brockers. You're shifting the scheme. Is Deshaun hand going to buy into everything you're pitching to him in a contract year and coming in and grinding the way you need him to grind. And, Maybe all these guys do. Maybe it all works, but I, I right. And I, I don't know that Deshaun Hand or Tyrell Crosby would be the one who, who wouldn't fit into the plans. But just you know, those are just examples that popped into my head. And I think you're going to see that at a lot of positions around the field, the guys that you say you have to say you need to 
have the right mentality with this because we are not a good enough team to guarantee anything to anyone at this right. point. And so we need to figure out who's going to be here for the long haul. And so, yeah, I, I think that that's kind of the next test for this atmosphere is when guys get the sense that they're maybe yeah. not going to play the role that they thought they're going to play. Oh yeah. Is yeah. Everyone's still going <laughs> to feel great. Is everyone still going to be joking yeah. at practice and being happy all the time? And I don't know. I mean, I think we'll see some of that play out over the next few months. So. Yeah. It's good. It's such a great point and I'm glad you brought it up because they're really going to have to that's going to have to be a daily sort of progress check I would think right like as they go forward with this like sort of like it's you know if especially too when you've got if you've got some younger guys that maybe you are eyeing as like yeah you know in week eight we want him in front of that guy and then when that Mm -hmm. happens is that still going to be okay right like that's that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch I think it's important to to keep that sort of toward the top of the list too as we go forward here all right, so uh, as mentioned, we've got uh, uh, some coverage up right now on OTAs. We still have our, if you haven't checked out our film series yet with the two coordinators, uh, those are readily available on the site uh, with Anthony Lynn and Aaron Glenn breaking down some of the new free agent additions and explaining their schemes a bit. Uh, really cool opportunity for us to be able to do that, um, and hopefully the story's turned out well, and if you've read them um we hope you enjoyed them, but uh, we'll have a bunch more coming. As, as mentioned, we've got one more uh, trip out to Allen Park for OTAs this week. Then mm-hmm. next week, we're supposed to be there for three days of mandatory mini camp. So we'll probably uh, skip a week of the show here and then come back after after mini camp and kind of recap everything as uh, the team breaks for the the summer. But uh, I don't know. I it, it, I hope it stays fun. <laughs> I hope I, I think. <laughs> I think when people go to training camp, yeah, it's it. going to be different than, <laughs> yeah. Like obviously last year there were no fans, but two years ago, like Patricia taking, the, <laughs> oh my God. the fans were lined up. You know, the stands are on the one sideline, the media is in the one end zone, and they took every drill as far away from everyone yeah. as humanly right. possible. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to see a lot better atmosphere. Uh. I'm excited to see fans just around again. <laughs> I hope uh, they have it at Allen Park and he sells and Dan Campbell sells dollar peer beers on Patricia's berm <laughs> in the like that would be the ultimate like okay that era's over and we move we're moving forward to the new regime that would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be uh I think people will be happy to get yeah, out there and just sort of see it firsthand because we keep telling them it's different, but yeah. until you can see it yourself, it, it's hard to get a feel for it. That'll so, be fun though, huh? To see the people out there. Uh, uh, in July. Yeah, I can't. I, I yeah, I I'm It'll sure the players are looking forward to yeah. it too, and getting some people back in that building at Ford Field. So yeah, lots to look forward to here. Uh, as mentioned, we'll try to circle back here in a couple weeks and and recap minicamp and and set you up for the summer so uh thanks for listening make sure you go rate us subscribe review wherever you listen to podcasts and for nick i'm chris we'll talk to you soon